Hey there, welcome to Money Never Sleeps, a podcast that looks inside the head of entrepreneurs and at what makes them do what they do. I'm Pete Townsend, your co-host of Money Never Sleeps, along with Owen Fitzgerald. This episode of Money Never Sleeps is kindly sponsored by Ireland's fintech and financial services recruitment specialist, Top Tier Recruitment. If you or a colleague need help attracting and retaining great talent for your fintech or financial services company, it is highly advisable that you build a relationship with the team at Top Tier Recruitment. You can find them at toptierrecruitment.com and tell them we sent you. In this episode, I dig into how hard it is to get seed funding for startups through unpacking a blog post by Finn Murphy from Frontline Ventures here in Ireland. Part of his post on the economics of seed funding had been banging around in my head for a while, so when I saw it in print back in August, it really crystallized things for me, and I frequently talk through the economics with the founders that I work with. So just to capture it and share it with all of our listeners, it's a focal point of this week's episode of Money Never Sleeps. Here we go again. Welcome to Money Never Sleeps. I'm Pete Townsend, and I'm here solo today for the first time. Our good friend Owen Fitzgerald had to step away at the last minute, but he's got a lot of kids, and on any given day of the week, when you've got that many kids, the odds are someone is going to need tending to. So, the idea for this episode came from a blog post by Finn Murphy from Frontline Ventures back in August. We'll share the links in the show notes, but it was one of those moments that I had where a concept had been banging around in my head for a while, and then I saw it finally crystallize in a blog post. It's really helped me to talk to founders from a more concise perspective, which has always been a challenge for me, but from a more concise perspective on how they get funding and how the VC will look at their business uh, when they're thinking about uh, whether or not that is a business that they want to fund. Digging right into the framework itself, the first thing that Finn looks at is he asks the question, can you convince me to quit my job? Right. So he's sitting there with a founder uh, and will talk through with them their overall approach. You really want that founder to be uh, able to convince anybody to quit their job and to say that, listen, I have such a fantastic idea. I'm so inspired by what's going on out there in the market. I have deep subject matter expertise and firsthand experience of the problem that I'm solving. And I've built a team so far of people that are fully entrenched with me to get this done. That is a a big ask of any founder to, to be able to put that things in that context. If you take a look at some of the founders that I'm working with right now, Greg Chu from QBQ, he'd be one of those guys. He has such a fantastic vision that it really makes you want to quit your job and get in behind them and help them row. So, The second point is, can you find a market big enough to scale and return half the fund or perhaps the whole fund, right? That is how a VC is looking at investing in your company. This one came from the perspective, obviously, of Finn Murphy. The idea had been banging around my head. Finn said half the fund. I was thinking the whole fund. So on the basis of looking at a $50 million fund, that $50 million fund will make 30 investments over five years. 10 of those will die. 10 will return the money that was initially invested. Five will return perhaps two to three times the money that that VC invested. Three or four might return five to 10x if you're lucky. And two, if you're really lucky, will go for 30x. Now with the odds of venture capital and of the fact that 70% of funded ventures fail across the board, 
you really need to assess all 30 investments that you might make, on average 30 investments in a VC fund of this size, on the basis of that founder hitting a grand slam, okay? So that's the first thing. Having a $50 million fund, you want to get 50 million back from every investment you make. Realistically, you're not going to, but you need to assess this on the basis that you will actually get 50 million back as a VC. How do you get 50 million back on a single investment? Well, if you look at the ownership stake that you're typically going to have after you're diluted through the rounds, you get down to probably about 10%, right? Is what the VC will hold in that investment that they made in your, in your company, right? So in order to get 50 million back with a 10% stake, that company needs an exit for around 500 million. And let's just assume um, fees aren't part of this. How do you get to a $500 million exit? Well, the next step is just making the assumption that uh, valuations generally uh, on a conservative basis run at a 5x multiple of annual revenues. So in order for you to hit a $500 million exit, you need to have at least $100 million in revenues per annum. When is that going to happen? Is that a one-year thing? Is that a two-year thing? No, it's not. Again, looking at the percentages, 95% of companies don't make it past a Series C. Okay, they either exit or they die. Now, assuming in this case, which is the positive case, that there is an exit, Series C is around year five to six. Okay, so in order to get to year five to six with an exit, you're looking at, well, you're going to need 100 million in revenues by year five or six so that you can get to this 500 million valuation so that you can then return 50 million to the VC because they have a 10% stake. So that's the next point, okay? The other thing with a 10%, and this is what Finn really got into in his blog post, is that estimating the market share, in order to get to 100 million in annual revenues, you need a $1 billion market, right? Because the average or, or what people tend to target in terms of how much of this market can I actually capture? Well, that's a factor of 10%, right? So 1 billion market, I'm gonna get 100 million in revenues. Um, you're going to need a market that is sizably big so that you can actually capture 10% of the market. So just to run through it again quickly, in order for you to be able to return $50 million uh, on a $50 million fund, you need to hit $100 million in revenues by year five. That's how some of the maths work out on this with the probabilities, with the assumptions, really year five, year six, that you want to be at $100 million. Being at $100 million, and with the likelihood that if you do really well, you'll capture 10% of the market, you need your overall market size of what you're going after in terms of customers to be at a billion or more. These are big numbers. So if you're serious about going to get venture capital funding, you need to be just as serious about the size of the market that you're going after, your ability to capture that. It's critically important and that being able to communicate your vision for why you're going to be able to capture this market is the part of your story um, that will hopefully make the VC want to quit their job and join you. Although they won't really do that, right? Maybe they will. You never know. So that's how the maths work out. And I talked to founders about this quite a bit in the last few months, just to put things in context for them, because they're looking at a VC that's investing at the stage in which the company exists. VCs invest in seed stage, series A, series B, growth stage, so on and so forth. Uh, pre-seed perhaps even, 
and they're saying, okay, this VC is a pre-seed or a seed investor. I am at pre-seed or seed stage. I am right there in the smack dab in the middle of their sweet spot. Say it's fintech, uh, say it's B2B SaaS, say whatever. They, why are they not investing? Well, depends on where they are in their fundraising cycle. Are they actually placing investments at this stage? Are they actually trying to realize their fund at this stage? Also, what else do they have in their portfolio? Do they already have something that looks like you? How deep of a knowledge did they have on the actual market that you're serving? Um, they may look at you and say, well, you look just like one of our other investments. You may not actually be anything like them, but they're going to put you into that bucket because of how they have their own portfolio set up. So there's all these different considerations. These are things you can find out on Crunchbase, folks. You can have a look and do all your research before you go talk to the VC and figure out exactly what it is that they're investing in, what drives them. Going into these meetings prepared is a good thing. And there's a couple of links that I'll put into the show notes on how to prepare yourself for, for venture capital meetings, okay? The other thing, the third point that Finn brought up, can you spot the shift beneath your feet? So can you adapt to the market as it's changing? I am working with a founder in the UK right now, Brian McNulty, who is the CEO and founder of Fund Admin Chain or FAC. The market, the fund services market, the funds industry market um, that FAC are targeting, that is changing every year with new regulations, new technology, new fund structures. Being able to stay on top of that is one thing, but let's contrast that with, say, an Instagram, right? Instagram had their formative years in 2008, 2009, 2010, the very beginning when they were actually, the iPhone had just come to market uh, a year or two before, and they had really responded to the change in mobile, right? And it, the original versions of Instagram were based on, okay, I can take this picture, and while someone is figuring out the witty thing to put into the text... I will upload that picture in the background. That's what Instagram was doing in the background because um, the upload speeds were so slow. And they saw that and um, it was something that they had responded to from a UX perspective. So where is the market going? Can you move with the market? Can you adapt as you go through? Finally, what are who are your beachhead customers? Uh, where are the early adopters? And again, in, in consideration of fund admin chain, there are at least 100 fund managers in the UK market of considerable shape and size. And at least 20 to 25 of them, there's at least one person in the C-suite that knows that there's a new backbone emerging for the financial markets. And it is in the shape of distributed ledger technology. These folks are turning the corner. The early hype around distributed ledger technologies from 2014 to 2017, uh, maybe even a little bit before that, that has now subsided uh, and people are having the right conversations now and making the right decisions, taking action as early adopters. In any market, you have early adopters. And when you're doing something new and radical, you need to have those early adopters that already believe in the direction that your business is going and want to be a part of it. So can you get those early adopters on board at the beginning and have that be, again, your beachhead set of customers? So that was the key four points. And just to recap quickly, the first thing was, can you convince me to quit my job? That is a big thing to ask of any founder, but you need to be able to tell the story that gets people excited so that they do actually want to go do that. Again, the VC obviously is not going to be in the position to do that, but you want to make them think long and hard about their career choice. The second thing, can you find a market big enough to scale? Again, the $1 billion market at least in order to achieve a 10% market share where you're getting 100 million in revenues. That's kind of the rule of thumb. 
can you get there or do your financial projections say year five, I'm going to be hitting five to eight million. That's a much smaller business and, you know, some might call it a lifestyle business, but, you know, I, I've had conversations with folks that says, yes, well, they may not be at a hundred million in five years. They may be thinking five to eight million in five years, but you know what? If we bring them to a new market and help them get there, they could get to 50 to 60 to 70 to 80 million revenues in five years. Okay. So it... You can't just look, uh, VCs can't just look at a revenue projection in a pitch deck, dismiss them on the basis of it being too small a market. On the other side, the founders got to do that work to say, well, where is my target market? Where am I going to be selling? What is my initial size of the market that I'm going after? But where am I going to go to next? The second thing with finding the market big enough to scale is the whole example of returning the fund. And again, just quickly, a $50 million fund and the VC wants you to return 50 million, you will end up, the VC will end up with a 10% ownership stake at exit after dilution on average. Now it's a big assumption, but just assume, assuming the 10%. So a 10% ownership stake mean, means you need to return $500 million. And with valuations being a 5X multiple of annual revenues, you need to be able to hit 100 million in year five to six in, in order to have a, a $500 million exit. Why is it year five or six? Well, 95% of companies don't make it past series C, and that generally is around C or year five to six within the life of a venture, life of a startup. So hitting that 100 million target by the time you would be going for a series C, the target and the benchmark to say, what is a typical exit point for a startup? That's the drill with the economics of this, and you could put together a, uh, a nice little Excel spreadsheet to, to, to help you keep things honest with that. The third thing is, can you spot the shift beneath your feet? Can you adapt to the market as it's changing? And the fourth thing is, who are your beachhead customers? Who are the early adopters? Where are they? And how are you going to get them? What is your connectivity with them? What is your network like? Okay. So that's the gist of it. Happy to take any ideas that come from any of our listeners, questions on that. Please do get in touch at info at moneyneversleeps.ie. That does it for this week, folks. Thanks to Finn Murphy for opening up his mind in that blog post back in August and beating us to the punch. Links and show notes for this episode are on moneyneversleeps.ie, so check us out online. Remember, if you or a colleague need help attracting and retaining great talent for your fintech or financial services company, it is highly advisable that you build a relationship with the team at Top Tier Recruitment as they really know their stuff. You can find them at toptierrecruitment.com. Also, thanks to Conan Brophy from Create Sound for editing this podcast. As for me, I increase the odds of startup success. Get in touch through the contact page on norioventures.com and you can follow Owen on Twitter at Owen Fitzgerald Nime. Finally, till next time, thanks for listening. See ya!